Welcome to another episode of ServiceNow Tech Bytes, where we help you use the product better and more efficiently. I'm your host, Suzanne Smith, and today we'll be talking about Service Portal, new in Helsinki. We'll cover a few topics, including no-code, low-code, and high-code use for all levels of users, customizing widgets in the portal, debugging, and security. Today, we are very happy to be discussing the service portal. This is a new big feature that came out in Helsinki, and customers have been very excited about this. Today, we have Patrick Wilson with us. Hi, Patrick. Good morning. Patrick is a software engineer in our design and experience organization and has been working on Service Portal for a long time now. A while. A while. (laughs) So he is our expert on all things Service Portal, and we hope that you can learn some new ways to use it and some tricks to make it sing on your instance. So let's start off with the basics. Can you give us a little overview of what Service Portal is and kind of its evolution and how it how it came to be and released in Helsinki? Sure. So I like to describe it as being two things. One is I think the thing that everyone sees it as primarily is it's a way to build portals for end users to be able to go on in. And, and what a portal is, is a um, it's basically a sort of a website that most companies host up on their Uh, ServiceNow instances or other instances, it's not a ServiceNow concept, um, where you can, uh, where employees of these companies can do anything from uh, order new laptops through service catalogs or view knowledge base articles or um, ask questions, get answers, like things like that. It's a portal. It's the place that you go to for information. And um, traditionally, our portal technology has been CMS. And that's how customers have gone on to create their portals and everything like that. Uh, and we've had that technology for a long time. We haven't made a lot of new development to that in a long time. So Service Portal is kind of the response to that. It's a new way of building um, portals that you would normally build in CMS or something else quicker, uh, more efficiently. You can create more beautiful portals this way with new technologies that we've added in. Um, so that's the first thing. It's a tool to help you build new portals and drag and drop widgets and pages into screens on a very high level and organize these web pages. Um, but the second thing that it is, is which I think is more interesting, is that uh, Service Portal is really more of a, it's a development framework for building fairly complex web applications really quickly. Um, with modern technologies like AngularJS and Bootstrap and SAS, SCSS, and um, all these great tools that web developers have had available to them for years, but haven't been able to leverage in a ServiceNow environment. Uh, and now they will be able to leverage those things. So that's the more interesting thing. It's an app development framework. Well, and I think one of the most interesting things about Service Portal is how you all designed it in this remarkable way where users that are very low level, from users that are very low level to users that are very advanced, all have a way into the service portal to make it work for them. So can you kind of explain how, if I'm not a developer, what I can do in service portal to put it together? And then maybe if I know a little bit more and I work up to the widget editor and then I get into AngularJS. So how can users at different levels work with the service portal? Yeah, so we actually... Um, we have a couple of terms to describe exactly those types of users. We call it um, no-code, low-code, and pro-code. Uh, the concept there being that people at any level of that like technical know-how, technical ability, uh, should be able to go in and 
uh, do anything from organize a portal at a really high level to actually develop the the bits and bytes of the com- core components that make up a portal. Um, so at the very high level, the, in the no code layer, we've added in a bunch of tools to um, uh, sort of facilitate the organization of these portal pages at, at a high level. Um, we have a tool called the designer, the service portal designer. Um, which is it's basically a tool that enables you to create new pages, um, do basic theming and layout of those pages, and then actually go and grab components that already exist in the system and just drag them onto the page. Tell the the page how big or small you want these components to be, how you want them to look on different form factors so that you can at the same time develop a, a desktop um, page, a mobile page and everything in between. Um so, and at that level, you can brand it. So you can make it look like yours. Exactly. Yeah. It's so yours. We have also uh, built a tool called the branding editor, which is uh, which kind of ties into the the designer that we have that enables you to um, add in your, your company's branding colors, for example. Exactly. You want your primary buttons to be red instead of blue because, you know, because you're service now and your colors are red. Um, and, and you can do anything from that to change logos, to change how headers and footers look really yeah, very fine grained control over everything about the way that your portal looks in a way that we haven't had with any previous technologies of service now. And you have that kind of control even at that no code exactly. level. Yep. You go, you you look for the button that says primary color, you click a thing, uh, you you click a drop down, you click a new color, and and that's and that's the new color. No, not a line of code is necessary for that stuff. This is an interesting conversation to have because service portal is again one of the parts of the product that's very visual. So we're doing a audio podcast about a very visual part of the product. Yeah, I wish I could show something. <laughs> I know. But... <laughs> I know you, we had the same thing with visual task boards, too. Service, oh, yeah. service portal is very, very visual, but you're painting you're painting a good, a good picture for us. So that's the no code level. Then you go up to the next level and you get into things like widget editor or what's that? What's yeah. that next level? So what we call as a next level is sort of the low code level. Uh, the idea that, you know, maybe you're not an engineer. You don't you can't talk about like uh, best practices for writing scalable JavaScript and stuff like that. You know, you don't know that stuff, but you do know how to write HTML. You do know how to do CSS. You do know sort of the, the core concepts of how to design a, a web page at, um, at less of a high level than just dragging and dropping things. You want a little more control than that. And we've made a lot of tools available to, for example, um, if you want to leverage the functionality of some widget, you know, all the stuff that it does on the back end, you know, doing glide record queries and doing all this JavaScript stuff to make things look really cool. But but you want it to lay it out a little bit differently for whatever your business use cases are. Um, we've made it very easy to just attach new templates or new HTML onto an existing widget and write a little bit of custom styling on top of it that does what you want it to do without actually having to go in and actually actually code <laughs> and just write some HTML CSS to describe what it is you want to do. And that's the, sort of the low code level. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next level down from there is what we call pro code. And that's where you get into the widget editor and actually start building some of these components for yourself with, you know, using the same technologies that any web developer anywhere from Google to Salesforce to ServiceNow would already know how to how to use and they can leverage um, those tools right in our widget editor without having to um, write any jelly. That's a big thing is that we don't do jelly anymore, which people have been very appreciative of so far. Um, and that's when you're getting into Angular JS, you're getting into JavaScript, you're, you're doing things at that level. Exactly. Yeah. And that gives you more control to do more powerful things in your portal. Right. 
And we've seen people do already some pretty amazing things. Uh, people have built things like widgets that handle PayPal payment integrations. And we've seen people do some pretty awesome data um, visualization, charting and things like that. Uh, we've we've seen people do things like ordering Ubers or flying drone copters and stuff all from widgets that they build inside uh, the service portal framework. So and you serv- really can do anything. And Service Portal was only released with the Helsinki release a few right. months ago. Yeah. And you're already seeing people do these cool Which things. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, one of the coolest things is when we go uh, we like to go and host like hackathons and sort of development sessions and stuff with um, both internally and externally with our customers and with our uh with our SCs and PS people. And um, what we like to do is just sit them all down in a room and say, okay, by the end of the day, we're going to bu- we're gonna build this application that does this thing. And a lot of times these are applications that took people weeks or months to build in other technologies. And most of the time we can leave that room that day having an application already. And, and that's the real sort of power of the, of the framework is just the speed of development. And it takes, it removes all of the hard parts about, uh, scaffolding out angular applications and all this really complicated stuff people don't like to deal with we the framework does everything so you get to just focus on what is your application what's the logic behind just your app and we'll do all the rest and the results are really professional and yeah. slick looking yeah. and fast mm-hmm. Uh, Let's get into a few best practices. So do you have any best practices for us for the person who's using Service Portal for the first time? Maybe they're setting up pages, they're configuring it. Any any best practices you can give people to get started on the right foot and prevent problems later on? Yeah, sure. So and that all depends on sort of what level of that stack that you're coming in at 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 the high level, the no code or low code level. the the best part where I always just sort of suggest people get in is actually to just, ins, you know, go onto their instance and go to the, the configuration tools that we have at SP config um, or the service portal configuration and just start sort of changing things and messing with things. And we have a, a, a portal that we sh- that we have um, by default. Um, that you can just go in and right off the bat, just start moving things around, clicking and dragging things around. And so there's um, a default portal there and is you can default, just go in and there's and, a default portal, and right. Start making changes and right. seeing how it affects that and, and how it looks when you make those changes. Exactly. And this is a portal that we set up to just sort of be a demonstration of the technologies that we have and the widgets that we already have. Here's what a form looks like. Here's what service catalog looks like. Here's what a list looks like. And you're not beholden to any of those things and you can customize it all, of course, but it's a nice starting ground to just go in and say, okay, well, what happens if I move this over here? And then you see everything sort of change and shift and you get an appreciation for how everything is working. So, and then usually when people once people sort of get past that stage, then they get into the stage of actually going and making their own portal and then getting into the branding editor and, you know, changing a couple of colors here and there and just sort of getting a feel for how everything works. That That's really the best way to get used to it is to just, you know, mess around with it. It's hard to break it without writing any code, which is nice. So you can actually go in and tweak it as much as you want. So if they've played around with it, you know, jumped in there, hands on, played around with it, changed that default a little bit, and then they want to really start building their own portal. Are there things they can do when they get started? Anything like naming conventions? You know, you start off with a portal and it's very small, but you anticipate it's going to get bigger. Can you do things like, are there naming conventions or any things with setting up that initial portal to get yourself started on the right foot. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, making widgets and things, what there are some best practices such as um, 
we if if you look at most of the widgets that we have by default that we've that we've built, we namespace most of them with things like uh, you know any service catalog widget is going to start with the acronym SC to indicate that this is probably service catalog related, or KB or you know what whatever else. So we try to keep everything organized by namespacing our widgets, and most of the in terms of organization, most. The, the most critical concept, I think, in Service Portal is this is this idea that the widgets that you're building um, and by widget, I mean sort of these the components, the combination of HTML, CSS and JavaScript that drives the functionality of a portal. Um, when you build these widgets, we design them to be extensible and reusable. So when you're building your widgets uh, for for your use cases, that's sort of the core concept we want people to keep in mind is when you're building this thing, think about how it's going to be used on different form factors. Think about how you could use, you know, a, a list widget on this page, how it could be leveraged to do something else on another page. Um, and by doing that, that's where people really start to see the benefits of Service Portal, because it means that over time, as we have more and more widgets, it becomes less a matter of writing code to build applications and more a matter of just assembling the pieces like Legos in a new way. And that's really where a lot of the power comes from. So just building extensibility into your widgets is um, that's where you really start to see sort of the, the the gains, I guess. So that makes creating a widget intelligently really efficient because then you can create more in the future faster and you know it's going to work. That's right. So it gets to the point where after you build enough of these widgets, you, you're, you're able to sort of leverage them in future applications, future pages that you build almost like just Lego blocks, piecing them together in new ways. And if you build your widgets to be extensible and to hook out into the the larger application of the world around it, then you can you really start to see some of the benefits of building widgets and building in extensibility into your application. Great. I want to move into our tips and tricks section. Sure. Do you have any good tips for us? Any of your favorites? Yeah. So one of the big things that we really tried to make easier is debugging because debugging in any context is hard. In ServiceNow, it's hard. It's hard everywhere. Um, so we tried to add some tools to help people isolate problems that they are having in their service portal, whether with whether it be it with uh, custom widgets that they've built or just, you know, pages in general or some widget somewhere is causing your, your browser to crash and you don't know what and you want to figure that out. So um, one of the best things that you can do to start debugging these problems is just to open up your developer console. We, we, we put a lot of useful, what we hope are useful error messages out into the console such and such widget is breaking because of this server script, you know, things like that. We try to be as specific as we can so that people know where to look when something is failing. Um, one of the best things that you can do is just, and, and something that I'm realizing that a lot of people don't know about. And I realize this every time I talk to someone about service portal. So I guess this is kind of a hidden feature is, uh, if you hold the control key on your keyboard and you right click any widget, if you're an, if you're an admin role, you're presented with a, 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 a context menu filled with different debugging tools that you can use to do anything from open that wi widget that you're looking at on the page into a widget editor or um, print the contents of that widget's data out into the console so you can actually go and look through the data object of that of that widget and figure out okay why is this showing this way instead of this way oh I see it's because that you know the data looks like this and um and and open up a page straight into the the designer because you're realizing oh I don't like the way that this widget looks hold control right click go to designer move it over done and we've tried to make it as easy as possible to go from looking at a page to fixing that page or debugging that page and um, and we've also added a couple of kind of neat things that 
a lot of older service now people are really appreciate or people that have worked in the platform for a while are appreciating in um when you when you're writing server script just about anywhere in ServiceNow, and uh, you want to be able to print some feedback out into a console or into a log to figure out what's going on, why is my script breaking? Um, traditionally, you've had to do a gs.log in your server script and then go and check your server logs and try and find where that thing got printed out. It's a bit of a nightmare. Um, but in in our service in our service portal widgets uh, from our server script on widgets you can actually just do a console.log the same way that you would do in any client script and it'll take objects and it'll take data from your server script and print it out into your console instead so and we do this to try to reduce the the the, the feedback time between something is broken to figuring out what's broken to fixing it. And we're trying to make that loop as tight as possible for developers. So hopefully people will find these tools useful when they're actually building in service portal. A lot of people find them use so useful that they don't like to build applications in any other environment, which is great. Yeah. Because you get this, you get this great feedback. Yeah. That's great. Um, I want to ask you, too, about security, which is an issue in every corner mm-hmm. of ServiceNow. When you build your service portal, you're going to have different pages for different people. How can users control who can see what pages or who can see their service portal at all? Right. So we've added a lot of um sort of tools, I guess, to sort of manage these things at a lot of different levels. So we we really kind of thought that exactly that through thinking, okay, um, we don't want some users to be able to see this page or we do want all users to see this page, but only some users to see these widgets on this page. We want to hide them for other types of users. Um, so you're able to add role permissions to um, to pages within service portal. So you can say only internal Uh, users with this internal role can see this page. Um, Or you can mark a page as public saying anyone from anywhere can go and see this page, regardless of whether or not they're even logged in. You can mark a page as being public, which is great for, you know, any portal interface that you're building for, say, a university or anything like that, where you want people to come and visit the page and then maybe log in and see more content. Um, But beyond just the page level, you can mark individual instances of widgets on a page um, as only viewable by users with this role or that role or the other role. So you have a lot of control. Oh, and, and you can also do it at the portal level too. Only certain users can see this portal. So you can control permissions at the portal, at the page, and at the widget level. So you can really get as fine-grained control over who can see what as you want, which is great from a security perspective. So that, you know, I don't want these users seeing incident lists, or I do want these users to see a search box, but not these certain items in the search box. Uh, we worked really hard to give as much control over that as we could. So even down to that widget level, I can open a page and if I have different permissions than someone else, I'm going to see that page differently because you're controlling it at the widget level. Exactly. You can do things like straight from a page, even, you know, show a login widget somewhere on the page to users that aren't logged in or just um, flat out, you know, render a whole new page instead of another page if a user is not logged in or has a certain role. So you have a lot of control over that. That's great. Security always, always a key, always a key always to a key. any to any part of yeah. service. Now, I want to talk about the underdog feature. This is one of our favorite parts of the podcast where we ask you, the expert, what is a feature that and, and again, service portal is very new. It's very, very new. But is there a feature that you're getting a sense that people aren't seeing or they aren't binding? But if they did find it, it would be really useful to them. I think I kind of chumped the gun because I you feel did, like the, the, the context. Tools. Yeah. So the. 
that context menu, the hold control right click, um, not at all easy to find. You wouldn't know about it unless you happen to hold down your control <laughs> key and right click something. But that's I guess I guess it's a hidden feature. I guess we're going to try and expose it a little bit better. But, um, you know. That's really my that's my underdog feature, I suppose. <laughs> that's your that's your underdog is, yeah. is the debugging tools. Yeah, um, I want to go into a few uh, questions we have. The ServiceNow community uh, has been buzzing about the Service Portal. Uh, Service Portal was big at the Knowledge Conference. It was, and it's been a big topic of conversation on the community. And we've had questions and discussions on the community. And I want to bring up a couple of those and see if you can shed any light on them quickly to just sort of clarify some of these. Uh, one of the big ones was catalog UI policies in Service Portal. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and and how those work? Sure. So that kind of ties into a slightly larger point that I want to make and I uh, and that I want to clear up. So one of the one of the difficulties that a lot of people are having in moving over to Service Portal is the fact that we don't support everything necessarily that the rest of the platform supports. A lot of that's on purpose. Um, we don't support. I already mentioned it earlier, but we don't support Jelly, which means that we can't support things like U, uh, formatters and UI macros and things like that. Um, and when it comes to our support for different types of scripts, both on forms and on service catalog, there are some things we do support and some things we don't support. And the rules are pretty simple for that. We support any any scripts that run on the client, so client scripts, UI policies, UI actions, anything like that, we support the server scripts that are written in what's called the mobile uh, scripting engine. So on any script, you can mark a, a script as being desktop, mobile, or both. We support anything marked mobile or both. <laughs> we don't support desktop scripts. you know. And the reason for that is pretty straightforward. We just don't pull in all of the, um, the huge you know, freight train of, of APIs and libraries and stuff and things like that, that the, that the general platform has to pull in to be able to run all these scripts that were written in 2006. Uh, we just don't bring those things in. And, and that's where we can get a lot of the speed improvements and the performance improvements that you see in Service Portal. You know, when you open a form in Service Portal that renders in, you know, in the blink of an eye, sometimes literally I don't notice that the page changes sometimes, um, which is much, much faster than you can load a form in in the uh, in the platform UI because they're loading in so much extra stuff. So we said, you know, we're only going to support um, new scripts that are being created moving forward. That's including UI policies. So to tie back into the question, we support uh, mobile UI policies. We can run those in our scripting in, in our scripting engine. We can't support desktop scripts. Another question that was in the community was about whether or not the service portal can point to more than one catalog. Can you give us some information about that? Yeah, sure. So when we were designing the service portal from the get-go, we sort of made a decision early on that uh, for any given portal, you can relate one knowledge base and one service catalog to that portal. Um, and we're realizing now that you know a lot of people want to be able to do more than that. Uh, but there's nothing preventing anyone from being able to, in their widgets, um, referencing more than one service catalog or referencing more than one knowledge base. Uh, so we've added a great feature in Service Portal that allows you to take an existing widget and basically clone that widget and create a whole new copy of it. So if you navigate to any widget in the widget editor, uh, in the in the top right hand uh, menu, you can click it and say clone this widget give it a new name, give it a new ID. And now you've basically got a carbon copy of that widget that you're free to make any modifications that you want to. So a great example for, 
you know, say you wanted a list that can uh, display uh, the contents of more than one service catalog when you navigate to the service catalog. All you would really need to do in, the, in this instance is uh, uh, go find that service catalog list that that we have by default on our service catalog pages, clone that, modify it so that instead of fetching items from just one service catalog, you're fetching items from any service catalog items or this set of them or make it configurable with an option by adding a new widget option and allowing users to specify what service catalogs they want to pull from. And then saving that widget and then going to the designer, pulling out the original widget, sticking in your new widget, and there you go. Now you've got support for multiple service uh, service catalogs. So just because it doesn't ex necessarily exist by default or in our default widgets, it doesn't mean that you can't have that functionality you, because, because you're able, you have that fine-tuned control. You can go in and edit these widgets to do whatever you want, clone the widgets to do whatever you want, add in new functionality, remove functionality, whatever you want to do. So you know, the, the tools are there, I guess. You really leverage the power in those widgets. E exactly. Yeah. Make them do what you want. Make them do what you want to do. Yeah. Because, yeah, and we sort of anticipated that. We knew that we weren't going to be able to build widgets that fit every use case for every customer and every internal user. And, you know, we weren't we weren't going to do the, pull that off in three months. Uh, so instead, we focused on, you know, how can we give people the tools to build these things out for themselves as quickly as they can? And that's one of those tools is the ability to clone widgets. Great. Uh, is there anything else that I haven't asked you? Anything else you're burning to tell us about Service Portal or what's in store, what you're working on? Yeah. So, you know, with Service Portal, all of our efforts and our whole ethos as a team is just how do we take the platform of ServiceNow and all the power that it provides and all the ability for developers and how do we take that and package it up and make it more accessible to everybody? Um so, you know, how do we enable people to build pages that look beautiful and applications that look beautiful and are simple and easy to use and fast and all these things that people have come to expect from uh, from their consumer tech lives, from tools like Google and Uber and Lyft and, you know, OpenTable and all these things, all these beautiful, simple apps that people around the world use, how do we help people build these kinds of experiences in ServiceNow? And we're really hoping that Service Portal brings some of this knowledge and some of this, all these tools that we have as part of the platform and bringing that to everybody. That's really our ethos. So we're working hard on trying to bring that vision to life. So all future releases, they'll tie into that theme in some way. Well, great. I mean, Service Portal, you know, as we said, it was just released in Helsinki. It's it's new. Uh, it will evolve. And so, Patrick, we may have to bring you back. OK, no problem. In a, a future release so you can tell us what you have added. Anytime. And what's going on. Thank you very much for being here today and Thank sharing you. your technical knowledge. We appreciate it. Uh, for more information about the Service Portal, we have a lot of resources. There is the ServiceNow product documentation at docs.servicenow.com. Uh, the High Knowledge Base has troubleshooting information. The ServiceNow community has some lively discussions about Service Portal and the creative things that customers are doing with Service Portal. And our ServiceNow YouTube channel, Now Support, has some great videos that can help you use Service Portal and enable you to go see Service Portal in action since this is such a visual tool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.